Hi, you guys. Like he said, my name's Hannah. Hopefully he didn't set any expectations too high. <clears throat> if any of you heard Josh talk before, he likes to break out into song and dance. And he also has a really cool dog named Porter, but I don't have any of those cool stories. So despite those shortcomings, uh, hopefully I can still talk to you guys today and you can get something from what I have to say. And I chose to speak about love today because it's something that's really near and dear to my heart because I think that it's become something that we no longer learn about, we're expected to know. And so I wanted to break it down a little bit and make it more relevant and so we can put it into action. So Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians and um, the city of Corinth, which is right here, was actually refounded as a Roman colony by Julius Caesar. And it was done because it was a perfect place for a trade port. And at the time, Rome was really overpopulated, so they had to send a lot of like the ex-cons, the freedmen there, so they could clean out the city a little bit. And at this time, Rome was also being Hellenized, which means that a lot of like Greek culture, philosophy, and religion was being um, put forth, and Greek art was very, very important, including the art of speaking. So the Corinthians were really fascinated with the art of speaking. So our cultures are similar in that sense. We see Martin Luther King Jr. with one of the most beautiful, eloquent, and moving speeches of our most recent history and something that we still connect with um, years and years later. And we see Robert Frost with uh, his famous poetry. The, you guys have heard the poem, Two Roads Diverge Into Yellow, Yellow Wood and I Took the Road Less Traveled By. Something that we still connect with years later. Paul um, was writing to the church because the Corinthian church was really struggling. It had a lot of problems, a lot of sin, and he was writing about the love agape, which is the love that God shows us, and it's the unconditional and selfless kind of love. Uh, he does this in three different paragraphs. He talks about the necessity of love, he talks about the character of love, and then he talks about the permanence of love. This is Corinthians 13, if you guys want to read along. He starts out by saying, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul does this in three negatives and three positives. He says, if I speak, if I, if I, but do not have love. And that's very important. It's very, it's purposeful. You'll notice throughout the rest of the passages that Paul really likes to reiterate things. He likes to repeat things in order to the, get them into your brain. Verses one and two talk about uh, three charismata or spiritual gifts. And spiritual gifts are talents and abilities that God gives believers in order to carry out his will in our lives. Tongues, speaking in tongues or speaking with eloquence was greatly admired, especially at this time, and it still is today. And if it doesn't stem from love or of God, then it's a resounding gong. It has no purpose, no meaning. It's kind of annoying. And he also talks about prophecy, predicting, but without the foundation of God, without the foundation of love, again, it's meaningless. It has no point. We see great students of the Bible who go and dedicate their lives to learn about God and everything that's in the Bible, but if they don't do it with love, then it doesn't matter because all that knowledge passes away. When they die, all that knowledge is gone with them. He talks about in verse 3, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So it's kind of 
relating to Mark 10 when Jesus said, uh, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. But even if we do that, if we are just doing it to be righteous, if we're doing it just for ourselves, to be pleased with ourselves, why are we doing it? God only cares about why we're serving, the actual purpose, what's in our hearts when we do that. And Paul was really concerned with the Corinthians' knowledge and their pride in their spiritual gifts um, because it was hurting the church. So Paul focuses on the eternal, eternality of love, and he contrasts it with the mortality of spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts we can see in the church are gifts of service, teaching, giving, leading, faith, and knowledge. Um, and the Corinthians are not using it for the right reasons, and um, it was full of false teaching and pride. And Paul isn't saying that the gifts aren't important, but he's saying that love is the way for the gifts to function. Then goes on to talk about the character of love. And he says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. And verses 4 and 5 focus on what love does and does not do. And the present tense is used intentionally. The love is, 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 because he's trying to demonstrate that love is always present. So Paul begins by describing God as patient and kind. And he's saying love is patient, love is kind. God is patient, God is kind. He then describes seven different verbs that love is not. He says, love is not envious. He could be trying to reach the Corinthians because <coughs> they were very envious of one another as to how many uh, people would come and listen to them speaking. They'd be very envious of people who were able to articulate, people who were good orators. Envious is just when we, are, we see how we are lacking in comparison to others. He then says, love is not boastful. This is criticizing the Corinthians for boasting about their spiritual gifts. He says, love is not proud, a verb that describes one of the major faults of the Corinthians because they define themselves by these gifts. They define themselves as being good because of these gifts. And being proud is just seeing how others are lacking in comparison to us. He says, love is not rude. And this actually is talking about the women in Corinth because they had a tendency to be uh, very promiscuous and vulgar. And being rude is just being immature and thoughtless of others and their feelings. He says, love is not self-seeking, which is the exact opposite of love because love isn't selfish, it's selfless. And he says, love is not easily angered. And this reiterates the need to be patient, goes back to describing God. God is patient. God is kind. And love keeps no record of wrongs, um, not dwelling on the past evil done against them, holding grudges. Uh, verse 6 explains that love doesn't delight in evil, but it rather rejoices over actions and words that demonstrate God and the gospel. And Paul, once again, emphasizes the eternal and the persistent character of love. And he uses the word always. He says, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And there's that repetition again. And it makes it stick out. You see how long and how great love is. Paul is one person that I think could have the ability to boast. And I think that's what makes it so more impactful 
for the Corinthians because Paul was this beautiful orator and writer. We still comment to this day on how beautiful he wrote. And here he is writing to the Corinthians about, you know, you can't be proud over this. You can't because it's God who's working through you. And he says it so many times. He's just, you know, it's God who's doing this. It's God. It's not me. And so the Corinthians were taking it as their own. They were believing it was themselves, and they were defining themselves by that. But no, it was God. (laughs) Also, love is active. He's saying that love is only possible through communication and action. And this past spring, I went to the boardwalk for my high school field day, which I don't know why we went to the boardwalk, but I mean... (laughs) Um, so actually, if any of you have been there, you know that's a really great place to people watch. Uh, I was walking down the boardwalk with my friend, and I looked over to the side, and I saw a man and a woman. And the man had his arms stretched out like this, flat palm, and a woman standing next to him had her hand in his. And I saw she was moving her hands a little bit, and I didn't really know what they were doing, and I looked over at my friend, not thinking that she would know what was going on, And um, she happened to be taking sign language at the time. And she told me, that man is blind and that woman is deaf. And I thought, (laughs) okay, that's kind of cool. And, you know, I didn't, went on with my day. And I really thought about it when I got home that night. And I was like, wow, that's pretty crazy that you can go over those, like, language barriers. Think how much patience and kindness and love it takes to sign every letter to just communicate with someone. And I watched as that woman led the man away, her arm around him, and I just thought that was such a perfect way to see love. And it doesn't have to be something radical. A lot of times our culture thinks we have to do something ridiculously radical. And if it is, that's great, that's fantastic. If you want to sell everything, give it to the poor, live your life for God in that kind of way, and that's your calling, that's amazing. But A lot of us aren't in that situation. We have jobs, we have this, we have that, and we are called to love in a different way. So uh, many people leave those things, but we don't necessarily have to. And we're called to love through patience, kindness, and forgiveness. So next, Paul focuses on the permanence of love. And he says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we only see a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love but the greatest of these is love. So verse 8 really just creates a set of contrasts, again, to reiterate the unfailing characteristics of love and the eventual demise of the charismata, the spiritual gifts. And Paul brings it back to focusing on trying to encourage the Corinthians to focus less on their spirituality and their spiritual gifts and instead focus on their community because their community was sick. Their church was sick. It was proud. It was ignorant. It was immature. He also says, in part, and this again describes uh, the charismata, and he says, love never fails. The word never is actually past tense, and fails is present tense. And this again says, it emphasizes the continuity of love. 
He then talks about um, an analogy, and this child versus adult analogy uh, is pretty interesting. I don't know if you guys have seen something online. There's a couple articles online where they've done studies and asked uh, little kids questions about their lives or what they think about certain things, adult uh, topics. And um, this one, they asked the kids what they thought uh, love was. And um, this girl named Chrissy, who is six, said, love is when you go out to eat and give someone most of your french fries without making them give you any of theirs. Um, a girl named Noel, who was seven, said, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, and then he wears it every day. And then Jenny, who was eight, said, there are two kinds of love, our love, God's love, but God makes both kinds of them. So <laughs> we know that there is a deeper meaning to love. This is a cute way to see how children reason differently. To a child, this might be exactly how you show love, sharing your french fries or wearing a shirt. We look at love as more of a deeper term. And sometimes it becomes lofty. And that's why I kind of want to talk to this about today. It seems unattainable. But it really is attainable because it's our purpose. It's what we're meant to be. There's a difference between now and the future. And behavior of a child is appropriate for childhood, just like the gifts that and talents that we have are appropriate for the church or for the Corinthian church in the present for them. But it's only needed to build the body, to build the kingdom. And then he goes on to share a mirror analogy, which is amazing because the Corinthians actually were known for their bronze mirrors. So this is definitely done on purpose in order to connect with the Corinthians. Paul suggests that we've seen an indirect vision of God. Like looking in a picture or reflection, we don't get the full view. We don't get the real thing. It's not direct. But God ha has. And that's why he says, as I am fully known. So we shouldn't take pride because we don't know everything. These aren't our gifts. They're God's. And we aren't like God who sees the whole picture. And there's uh, a little bit of confusion as to why he included the words faith and hope in verse 13. It is kind of just thrown in there, and you're like, oh, that's a new idea. But it's definitely intentional. Uh, we know that love never ceases to have faith or hope. But uh, faith, it eventually, it dies. It's love, it keeps on going. And faith, once in heaven, we don't need faith. Once, in, uh, once we're in heaven, we don't need hope. So we can say that love for one another as we live in the faith and hope is good, but they're not as uh, great and as eternal as love. And so the reason why he chose this last line with the words faith and hope might be because love isn't like gifts. Faith and hope accompany God, but love encompasses him. Love is the greatest of these because it keeps on going on. It's eternal, and the other two are not. So you can see that Paul is able to capture uh, God in his conclusion actually throughout the entire passage. They say that if you substitute the word love and you put God in there, that it makes total sense. The, um, God never fails. God is patient. God is kind. I could go on and on. And that's because God is love. What do we think of love? Personally, I think the most ultimate show of love was when God gave his son uh, to die on the cross for our sins. And <laughs> it was so undeserved. And I feel like a lot of times we hear it so often in the church that it just loses its significance. Think about it. That is one of the most beautiful things of love, dying for someone. It should send chills down our spine, but a lot of times we're like, oh, yeah, you know, I've heard that, you know, every Sunday, just about. But it should be something so great. And what an ultimate and beautiful sacrifice what a sacrifice and 
What a show of love. In conclusion, I want to talk a little bit about the application to our church and lives. This is going to be a little bit short because I really just wanted to focus more on the elements of love. But I do want to talk to you a little bit about this. And through love, the church can be seen as what God intended it to be seen. So it may, just like the Corinthians, be clouded to outsiders because of our lack of love. We're so susceptible to judgment. We say we love, but a lot of times we don't. We think that we're so much more mature than this Corinthian church because we know so much about the Bible. But we still don't see face to face. We're still like the Corinthians. We still don't see the full picture. So just like the blind man and the deaf woman, we need to show the love that God describes, whether as a church or in our community or as individuals, between individuals, building relationships. By encompassing God, who is love, we must be patient and we must be kind and we must throw away all the other verbs that uh, God uses to not describe love. And to be a true follower of Christ, we must encompass this quality because it's an eternal quality. It takes importance because it's necessary to our church, to our church leaders, to everyone. So how do we go out and love? I really think that it is dependent upon individuals. We're all in different places. For me personally, I go to, Sal uh, I go to Salisbury University and I have the chance to go out and reach people. I get, have the chance every day to go and love my classmates, the chance to love the people I sit next to in the library, uh, the people I see in the hallways, the people, my professors, uh, the people that are on the church ministries and um, on campus. And I fail every day. And I think a lot of us can say the same thing. It's hard to love some people. It really is. I think that e even people who are in the workplace now, they have the chance to love their coworkers, their boss, and people who are teachers. They have the chance to love these kids and pour into them. And so often, we're having a bad day, and we just don't do it. The ways that we can do this are just by starting conversations, calling someone, encouraging someone. I know I got like five or six encouraging texts today, and it made my day, and it's probably why I'm not out there crying or something or <laughs> just <laughs> being really scared. So, I mean, it does make a difference just loving someone by encouraging them. And the biggest one of these is giving time. Our culture is so busy. It's always going, going, going. So we always just take our time. We're really selfish with it. So it's like, oh, I don't really feel like doing that with someone today. I'm not going to go out and love them or give them time. I'd rather just be on my couch and watching Netflix, or I just want to go hang out with my friends. And so what more can we give than our time? Something so precious, something we don't have much time. So what's more important than living the most important and resounding action in our faith? The eternal, the permanent, the necessary, and beautiful love.